you enjoy this show, subscribe to youtube.com slash comic pop for even more deep dives into your favorite comics. All right, let's get on with the show now. Sweeping down upon the underworld to smash gangland, a mysterious, all-powerful character, but a crusader for law. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Elseworlds Exchange. I'm Sal, and I'm joined today by Tom Brevoort. I said that right, right? Yes, yes, you did. Well done. Thank you. I, I've heard your name so much. I've read your name so many times. I, I better get it right by now. Uh, uh, if if not, you would be like most of the people in the world. So it's it's fine. There's lots of different uh, interesting and unique ways of pronouncing it, and I've heard <laughs> most of them. No doubt. So uh, you know, it's it's not a big thing either way. I think what we need is we need another one of those uh, those cards that they hand out that say all the phonetic spellings of every comic book creator out there. Oh yeah, yeah. It's gotten to the point. I mean, look at uh, Sinkevich's booths at Comic Cons. Just mm-hmm. he just spells it the way it needs to be said. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bill is Bill is smart. He was kind of the pioneer when it came to the name that nobody could figure out how to pronounce. And yep. And how to uh, how to figure out? We should do was, that again. There was a there was a bullpen page back in the Jim Shooter days where they yes. did all the all the uh, phonic phonetic uh, uh, pronunciations of all the hard to figure out creator names. We should we we'll have to do that again. I feel like yeah, I feel like it's a good resource, especially because now I think more fans than ever are actually interacting with these creators. You know, normally uh, Bill has no idea. I used to say Sinkowitz, but now. Yeah. I had to make sure I read the sign. I'm like, is that him? Oh no, I've been saying it wrong. Thank God. Now I can meet him. Mr. Sinkevich. Nice to meet you. And he's like, yeah, you got it right. <laughs> it's working. Nice. And Tom Brevoort. Uh, but yeah, so uh, Tom, there's an interesting dis- differentiation between uh, the, the fan and the Uber fan who desperately needs to know everything about the industry and how the inner workings go. And, You've been you, you. Not only are you uh, like a, a long-standing soldier in the army of making these books happen, but also you're part of that kind of like secret club of folk who have all this <laughs> great information, but like no one knows to how to get it. And you've you've been kind enough and uh, magnanimous enough to create a YouTube channel where you're just you're just kind of spilling tea, sharing the pulling back the curtain, so to speak, and, and giving well, some being, insight. You're being very very nice in your description of this. <laughs> Uh, what was what was really just a half-baked uh, idea that I started doing a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, because, uh, you know, because it was there and because it, it crossed my mind. So if it does provide good information to, to some people and does give them a place where they can turn to get some answers to some of these sort of behind-the-scenes questions, especially when it comes to comic book editing, like nobody, nobody knows uh, what that's like. It, it tends to be just a really mysterious thing to most people. Most people Absolutely. don't think about the editor at all. So so the, the fact that there is no real source for this stuff was one of the reasons why I started doing these little videos. Um, and uh, we'll see how long I can, I can keep that up. Yeah, I mean, you ha- have been doing it for a while just in different media. I know that uh, you did the, uh, the the CBR column for a while uh, that yep. kind of complimented the Cup of Joe, uh, yep. where you provided that. I think it's just the changing the winds. This is the they want to see you, they want to hear you. Okay, here it is. Like this is the way we do it. Yeah, there are a lot of there are a lot of foolish people out there, as it as it turns <laughs> out. Uh, they were better off with just the words, but um, I'm happy to uh, to go wherever uh, wherever it works, wherever I can spread uh, the information. Yeah. Uh, so for those who have not done the work, have not done the research, and just to take uh, a little bit of the load off my shoulders, 
would you mind sharing with us what uh, what began your illustrious career and where it, where it took you to now? Just a, like a little kind of Cliff's yeah, I'll, Cliff's Notes ver- version. I'll do it very. I'll do the the shortest version that I can, given that it's a relatively long question. It is. It is. Um, I started at Marvel in the summer of 1989 as a college intern. I was a, an illustration student at the University of Delaware, and in your senior year at the U of D in their illustration program, you had to go out and get an internship in some way related to the field. And so I applied and I interned at, at Marvel over that summer. Um, and before that, uh, you know, obviously I was a big comic book reader and was still a big comic book reader at the time. Um, I had done a bunch of fanzine work and, and things of that nature. So walking in the doors at Marvel, I was maybe one of the three best interns that have ever been in that place <laughs> mm-hmm. um, because I had a skill set that was maybe not quite polished enough to be an actual bullpen production guy, but I could do just about everything good enough. That's what they and, need. <laughs> and, and that meant that I was valuable in a lot of, a lot of places. You know, yeah. my, my secret claim to fame that I talk about every once in a while is there's an issue of, of uh, Avengers Spotlight that's right at the beginning of Acts of Vengeance. It's the first chapter of Acts of Vengeance. It's this yeah. uh, this uh, story setting this up in, in the vault. And whoever had penciled the story, there was a place where they needed the vision to be coming through a wall. And it, whatever was there wasn't good enough or it hadn't been drawn. And so Greg Wright, who was the editor, asked me to draw it. And I did a very bad vision coming through the wall that Al Milgram then inked and pretty much redrew to make it a real right. comic book. But so, but, but so even things like that, I, I was able to have a hand on. So after I, I, I got to the end of the internship, which was in August, there were people who I had worked with on staff who were interested in getting me on staff full time. And so by December of that year, I had been hired in as an assistant editor. Um, and I've kind of been around ever since. My skill set is still that of a really good intern. <laughs> but I've slowly, just through attrition, <laughs> worked my way up up the ranks to seemingly be more important, um, even though I'm still working with the same hand of cards that yeah. I had in 89. Best damn editor at Marvel. because Or uh, <laughs> best, best damn intern at Marvel, I should say. <laughs> yes. One of the three. I, I wouldn't go so far as to say I was the best, all-time best necessarily, mm-hmm. but probably in the top three. There must be two other people who were at least as good, if not better, than I was. There you have it. Uh, yeah, man. Okay, so this is this is going to be in part, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what the job is. Like, what is an editor? Can I like, because I think that they're, like you, like you pointed out, most folk don't know, if they know anything about the editor, they know enough to blame them for everything. Right. And that's and that's what they that's what they should do. You know, that's that's my prime directive when it comes to teaching people about being an editor, particularly at a, at a Marvel or a DC yeah. uh, company when where the company owns the characters. Right. It's you know, I've got the saying it's in the first video I did. So it's out in the world now. And <laughs> you know, younger editors at Marvel are sick of hearing me say this. Uh, it's creators get the credit. Editors get the blame. Right. And that's the division. That's not a that's not like a, a complaint or or any sort of outrage. That's literally just understanding who gets what part of the pie 
Um, if you're the editor, ultimately you get all the blame. If anything goes wrong anywhere, yep. you're the person that they turn to. And if anything goes right anywhere, it's because the creators did such a wonderful job on writing and drawing the, the story that month. Right. Uh, and that's just the, the, the way it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's your marching order. It's just, it's just, it's the, uh, it's the beautiful privilege of being an editor. Yeah. Yeah. And, but again, it, it, it in order to do it through the job properly, you kind of have to embrace this philosophy because, and I've seen this over the years, obviously in 30 plus years, I've worked with a lot of different other editors on staff as, as uh, you know, people who were ahead of me, mentor figures and, and more experienced editors as peers, as junior editors. And the ones who I think have done the worst over time tend to be the editors who don't embrace this idea and either feel like it's about them. And so their hands need to be on everything, their fingerprints, uh -huh. or they need to be out in front or they need to tell you how valuable they are by explaining every time you talk to them how the creators messed up this thing and how they saved it. Sure. And, and all of these are just, you know, part and parcel of the lesson that myself and a bunch of other people at, at, at Marvel over the years distilled down into this, you know, sort of concentrated talk that I'm now spieling out over the course of weeks on, on YouTube, but that yeah. I usually make uh, the younger editors suffer through for about an hour and a half, two hours uh, typically around every year around San Diego convention time when most of the senior editors are in San Diego. Sure. What are some of the qualities that make up a, a damn good editor? And what are the, and I think you, you illustrated some of the qualities that make for like a lousy editor, which is too much involvement, too much, too much ego, but what are, what are some good qualities? What, what makes for a good editor? What are, what are some things you look for in, a, in well, an excellent editor? Go, going back to the bad, just because you, sure. you, you touched on it there. I think ego is exactly the spot on the the thing and you know for myself most of the times when i've made bad judgment decisions over the years or fought for no reason for things <laughs> or generally just just you know did something that in hindsight uh, wasn't the best choice it was usually when i was being pulled in some way shape or form by ego or pride uh. Not, you know defending turf or or you know, just making decisions uh, because it was it was it was me rather than operating in the service of what is best for the the book. Right. Um, what makes for a good editor? It's it's kind of an abstract thing. The the best editors ed editing is the is the invisible science. Like if yes. it's done properly, you really shouldn't be able Notice. to tell that <laughs> yeah. it was there. And yet you you kind of can. Like every editor, when I was a kid. And I started reading comics in the early 70s. I started reading DC books at the time. And I would be able to tell at six years old that, that you know, I enjoyed Superman and action comics, but there was something weird about World's Finest. And there was something wrong about Superboy. <laughs> and what it really amounted to, as I was able to unravel over the years as I studied this, is... I like Julie Schwartz comics and gotcha. I didn't as much like Murray Boltonoff edited comics or a couple of other people. So hmm. the titles I tended to gravitate towards were the Julie Schwartz edited books, not because Julie was editing them, but because they were just the ones that I got into flash and justice league and, 
his Batman stuff at the time and his Superman stuff at the time and, and, and so forth. Um, and, and so that's the kind of case where you can have an editor who's responsible for something that connects with the audience where they don't even realize that that's what's going on. Gotcha. Um, I think the, you know, from a, from a creator standpoint, the, the editor is somebody who understands what you're trying to do and is able to focus you and amplify what you're trying to do and make it better. Yeah. Um, keep you on, on the beam, tell you honestly, when you're going astray, whose opinions are, are such that you, you trust them, that, that you understand they're coming from a, a good place, even if they're telling you something that you don't necessarily want to hear at that point. Mm. So much of it, unfortunately, is, is instinct. I understand very, very concretely how I cast a particular assignment, but I don't know that I could teach it to anybody because so much of it is a gut level instinct of going, I need somebody to write Iron Man. Who's going right. to inherit Iron Man now? Dan Slott is ending his Iron Man run. Uh, and, and what qualities am I looking for and who might be able to, to uh, actualize some of those things? Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I can give you the result. I reached out to Chris Cantwell and he did a pitch and he's writing the book. And I can articulate some of why I did that. Um, but I can't necessarily explain every detail of the thought process that got me to Oh, I think him, or I think Kafu is the artist for this. Yeah. Um, and and so 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 much of it is, it's it's a question of having taste. I've known people in editorial positions in in places, who are who are otherwise wonderful uh, people. They're great to talk to and have have uh, you know, uh, 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 social interactions with and so forth. They're probably good in terms of interacting with the talent, but I think their taste is lousy. Yeah. And yeah. thus, I, I, I find, you know, the, the, the comics that they shepherd not as good as I would like them to, to be. Even if I like the people involved, I'm sure there are plenty of people out there who would say the same thing about me, if not worse. So, it's, <laughs> you know, it's all a subjective sort of a, sort of a thing um, other than, you know, over time you build up a, a experience, you build up a track record. And so if you've done it long enough and you have enough things that work, you can kind of at least point to that and go, well, I have these 20 things that perform pretty well and that people seem to like and that stood the test of time. So at least I have that track record to, to support me. Sure. Um, beyond that, though, um, you know, I, I think the best editors, too, uh, have a creative aspect to them, mm -hmm. but don't. Uh, insist on on their point of view. You know, one of the things that I do routinely um, when I'm dealing with either uh, an artist, and particularly when we're dealing with writers on scripts and stories, somebody will send me a script. Mark Wade will write an issue of something, Avengers, and I'll read the script, and you know, my assistants and associate editors will read the script, and we'll come up with our reaction and responses to things, and I'll go back to Mark or whoever it happens to be. And I'll have notes, I'll have comments. I think this, I think this, I think this. Um, and every time I have a comment, what I'm really doing is I'm pointing to what I see as a problem. Right. There's a deficiency. There's something that doesn't make sense to me. There's a moment that's not landing right. There's, there's some bit of story logic that isn't working. And in every instance, um, you know, like clockwork, I offer some half-baked solution. <laughs> if you did this, you know, so like if you did this, it would work. 
Um, and I, I tell, or try to tell pretty much everybody as they start working on books in my office that I'm going to do this, but I really don't care if you use my solution or, or not. You know, what I care about is you solve the problem. Like whatever the deficiency I'm pointing to is, I need that taken care of. But I try to not have a whole lot of ego when it comes to here's a way to solve it. Yeah. What I'm trying to do is at least give somebody a leg up if they don't see or understand where I'm coming from or they don't have the faintest idea how to get from where I'm talking about to where they need to go. Right. Um, some kind of a vector or some kind of a roadmap. Um, but again, it, 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 I don't feel like they have to use mine. And, and I always add this rider at the end, too. It's a it's a perfectly valid solution to convince me that what I think is a problem isn't actually a problem. Ah. Because I'm I am just as 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 capable of making, uh, you know, wrong or or you know, in, ill considered or or snap you know judgments on things as anybody. And so, sure. you know, you can I, I I like to try to believe. Um, and maybe it's maybe it's fake. Maybe it's maybe it's all in my head. But I like to try to believe that I can be convinced of things in in most cases. Um, but if I'm not convinced, you you didn't convince me. So right. <laughs> you know, either you 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 know, you you legitimately make me believe that what you're saying is is right, and the problem isn't that, or or it's going to work out this way. Trust me, and and it, I feel like it will. Or I'm going to hold the line and go, well, look, I, I don't buy it. You're going to have to go back into this and, and, and rework it. Yeah. Can, can you provide any example uh, that stands out to you of a case where you pointed out a deficiency, as you call it, and you were justified and one where you pointed something out and they said, trust me, and you were <laughs> right to trust them? Um, wow. I, the answer is probably yes. If I sit here and, and ponder it a little bit, mm -hmm. um, most of this stuff is not fresh in my head. Partly right, it doesn't, because yeah. There's so much of it. It's and true. partly because once a problem is done, I'm, I'm on a day-to-day -day basis working on so many projects as it is that once a problem is done, it's, it's, it's gone. gone. <laughs> it's, in the, it's in the rear view mirror. I'm on to the next thing. Yeah. So, um, Again, I have a bunch of individual like stories from the past, but I don't know that I necessarily have. I certainly don't have one that's about I pointed to something and I was right. Right. Um, I tend not to keep a lot of those. Um, <laughs> you, you, you would think I would have more stories that were about somebody said, let's do this. And I said, that's bonkers. And they said, well, let's do it anyway. And I said, OK. And it, it worked and, out. And that became um, civil war, you know, like, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, those are, those are much more, those are much more prevalent, sure. <laughs> I think. <laughs> um, but again, it's not like, I, I, if we sit here long enough and chat, I'm sure something will pop into my head. Sure. But there, there isn't one that's, that's such. That stands out. Yeah, that's so, such low hanging fruit to me. That's fair. Um, just because yeah. I don't tend to cling to any of this. Like, it's right. not it's not all that important to me. What's important to me is when the book is leaving our hands and going to press, it's as good as it can be. Uh, and every time, you know, we set out, we set out to do a story for the ages and some of them get <laughs> to be that. And some of them get forgotten 30 days later right. <laughs> uh, and others get forgotten in 30 days. And then 10 years later turn into something. So right. 
um, it, it really is all um, all outcomes. Can I'm sure every creator I'm I'm working I've worked with over the years who's watching this now has a has perfect example of when they had a good idea and and told me and that it it worked. Right. Um, because of course you know I I just don't I don't track it that that. That's closely. fair. Uh, I will say, uh, as I understand, I was, when, I, when I was doing my research, uh, I came across uh, your your Eisner win for one of my favorite titles, uh, Untold Tales of Spider-Man. Uh, right. I don't think we had. An, what did we win the Eisner for on Untold Tales? Best editor. No, no, no. I was. I did not win that year. Oh no! I was nominated. Oh, you were that nominated. Year. I'm sorry. Yeah, oh, I don't no, mean it's, to drag no, it's, it up. No, no, it's 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 fine. Like one, it's 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 honor enough to be nominated, particularly at that point. I'd only True. been in the field for six years or so. Yeah. Um, you know, I got beaten that year by Dan Raspler, who edited Kingdom Come, and I think that's a pretty good thing to get beaten by. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and 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 so you know, that's that's you know, it's all it, literally it's all good. So yeah. so don't uh, you know, no no need to worry. Fair enough. I've had I've had books win the Eisner. They got rid of the of the best, best editor, editor category no. in in, ed, in Eisner's shortly thereafter. That might have even been the last year that they did it. Mm. Um. So so I've never had another crack at it. But again, part of that is because I don't think anybody can really evaluate that from the outside. It's so subjective. You know, all yeah. it, it all it really amounted to in in my case there was. People like Untold Tales of Spider-Man, and so I got nominated. People liked Kingdom Come, and Dan got nominated. Yeah. Whoever the other three editors were on the ballot that year, people liked the stuff that they had done. Yeah. So, so in, it's almost like it's a popularity contest at that point, more than it is, you know, how 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 much better or worse a job did I do editing Untold Tales than Dan did on Kingdom Come? Yeah, it's hard to quantify. Yeah, it's it's almost from the outside. It's almost impossible to tell, particularly on a, a, a singular project basis. Right. You know, if you want to look at overall uh, uh, projects, again, you know, work history or or editorial history, you can get a better sense. Well, he did these really good books, and he did these really stinky books, and so within that, you can kind of get some sort of a batting average. He, right. He, he hits three fifty nine. <laughs> Uh, or or whatever, so there's you know you could evaluate it that way, kind of. I, yeah, but even then, you're only measuring if you're if you're nominating for a book, you can't measure for the the career. You know, that's more like a lifetime achievement award as opposed to a yeah. a, a real true measuring of, of of the talent of that particular project. It, it also goes back to again one of the other points that I have in this long rambling spiel to the junior editors, uh, which is that the editor is incapable of making a book good. Oh, okay. Um, what, the, what the editor can do, and the only metric that I ever judge it on is they can make, make the book better. Gotcha. Um, and they can certainly make it worse. There are, there are mountains of comics that were made worse by somebody editing them poorly and yes. making bad decisions. But that's, that's the, that's the metric. So, uh, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the, the way I evaluate books that are going, you know, that I'm putting out and so forth, you know, isn't even necessarily the same metric that, you know, a reader would, would be because, you know, there are certainly projects that you'd look at and go, well, that wasn't all that wonderful <laughs> where, where I think to myself, yeah, but it started out as a train wreck and right. we got it. We you got no it. <laughs> yeah. We got it to here. Whereas there are other projects that people go, 
that was so brilliant. It was genius. And I go, well, yes, but I didn't have to do anything to make it. Those guys <laughs> walked in with it and I just sat there and, and collected the check. So, right. you know, the, I, I, I can, the, the, the phrase I use is, can you look the project in the eye? Like when Ooh. you're finished, when you're finished with it, can you stare it straight up and go, I stand behind that. I did the best job I could. I made it as good as I could do going out. And that's, uh, you know, that's the thing. Right. There are projects that people, you know, love that all I look at and see are the problems and the flaws. You know, the, gotcha. the, one of the one of the big ones of, of, of that is uh, JLA Avengers. Really? We did the JLA Avengers crossover. Yes. And and, uh, you know, years ago now, it's almost 20 years ago. It's, it's 17, long, 18 years. Yeah. Yeah. Long, long time. Um, and and to me, the, the back half of that story is a mess and, <laughs> and it's and it's a and it's a it's a mess because you know, ultimately because you know i i couldn't untangle what the problem was well enough gotcha i lost a couple of key fights with with people or arguments uh, i compromised in places that i look back now and go i wish i hadn't a compromise there and so again for everybody else here's 200 pages of Kurt Busiek and George Perez doing the Avengers and the right. Justice League and all the characters and everything's great and they love it. And I look at it and I go, well, the first two are pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> the first two are just, just it's distilled fan service in the best way, as opposed mm -hmm. to like, the, like as opposed to DC versus Marvel, where you're like, what even is that? Like, you know, you think you're hitting the notes, but it's just, it's just a bunch of stuff. Well, that was, that was distilled fan service of a different sort. Like that Very whole much. story was, was built around the voting. Yeah. Which, and, and the voting is not the best a, way to do that. <laughs> no, no, no. It's yeah. It's, it's an artifice. You can't, uh, you can't do storytelling democratically. It right. It doesn't work because the audience, like the audience is wonderful, but the audience really does not know what it actually wants. You know, it often knows what it thinks it wants. It often knows what it liked the last time. Yes. But if you ask them what they want to see happen, inevitably they will pick the choices that when you actually carry them out, they won't like the result of. No, it's about giving them what they need, not necessarily what they want. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's, this that reminds me you 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 must have been working there at the time but i remember as a kid uh, opening up one of my marvel comics and seeing it was during a dark period uh seeing <laughs> uh seeing Aren't a little they all? <laughs> depending on who you're asking i suppose uh but i found this little this little card in there and it said it had a it was a it was a survey and it asked me a bunch of questions. Would you like to see Peter Parker and Mary Jane get divorced? Would you like to see Rogue and Gambit get married? Do you prefer Sabretooth as a villain or a hero? And I remember just thinking to myself, God knows how old I was, but I was, I was a small child. And I thought, I, I don't know. Why are you asking me? You guys should know. How do you not know this? Right. Right. And you're right about like democratic, you know, I appreciate now, you know, getting information from your audience and, and, and evaluating what the audience, you know, truly what their knee jerk gut reaction is. But I mean, you know, there, we're a long way away from that period now where it's like, well, do you, should we marry Rogan Gambit? I don't know. What do you guys think? It's just, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and again, though, on, on the one hand, I'm sure that, you know, I don't know that anything ever came of that particular survey. No, it was just one of those. Let's get information. Let's and and let's involve the audience. Let's make them feel like they have a voice. And, sure. And and they you know they they you know they could tell us what they they think. But I don't know. And honestly, it may have been when that was set out. It was 
it was started with the intention of, and then we can do the things they want. <laughs> yeah. Whether or not that ended up actually being what happened, you know, when that information was tallied. Yeah. Um, I remember the, that card that you're talking about. You do? <laughs> well, and just based on the questions that you just listed, I can, you're, you know, kind of pick like, oh, I know approximately when it would have been done. Right. And that would have been right around either in the bankruptcy era or right, right on the precipice on the it, cusp. Yeah. And so I, what I suspect it was, was that that was started by some set of, of, uh, you know, Marvel executives who by the time it was done, no longer were there because there were other Marvel executives there. Right. Um, because the turnover at the top in those days, uh, you know, during that period was frantic. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, again, I could see people coming in and going, let's ask the audience what they want. Let's do a, do a, a fan survey. Yeah. And then being being out the door before anything could come. Before they even that. saw and, the results. And the next guy's going, a fan survey? That's the stupidest idea ever. Let's not pay any attention to this. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> you know, it, such is the vicissitudes of comic book history. Indeed. Uh, I, I would love to talk a little bit about editorial mandate because it's something you see in, uh, you saw in message boards, forums, Twitter verse, and now, you know, everywhere else. Uh, mm -hmm. They talk about editorial, editorial, this fabled, like, force that lives in the clouds and just commands on high make this happen make sure this is a thing um but uh but it, it always being a stigma as opposed to it being uh something that is just the nature of the beast um well it it it, it, it even for fans it varies yeah. you know again as a as an editor and having been an editor for years and years and years especially in our you know modern internet savvy world Yes. Um, I've I've seen every kind of feedback on a story from the audience that it's possible to see, I think. Yes. Um, and, and at any given point on almost anything you're doing, there are two sets of voices at sort of the extreme. One is, why did you let creator A do that? You should have stopped him. Why didn't you stop him? Right. <laughs> and the other end typically happening simultaneously at, at the far edges of the spectrum mm -hmm. are, I can't believe you stopped him from, from doing that. How dare you? He's a big name creator, a genius. How yeah. could you not let him make this good in the way he wanted to? And the truth most often, and the truth for most of the audience typically is somewhere in the middle. Sure. Um, all they really want is they want, good comics they want stories that they love and and stories that embody you know whatever the characters are that they're attached to that are are completely new and go in completely new places but feel comfortable and yep. feel like the thing they grew up with and as long as they're getting that they're happy and if they're not getting that they'll pick at whatever they think the thing is that's causing that <laughs> right whether whether that's you know oh the creator made a decision i didn't like or you know, somebody from somewhere, certainly in the last 10 years, ever since uh, Marvel was purchased by Disney. Right. Um, you can see just huge swaths of of uh, people online talking about how Disney has mandated this and demanded that and come right. down with an edict about this. And, you know, I, I talk about this whenever I have an opportunity to here. And I think other people, Joe Casada does and, and, you know, whoever else might be interviewed. Nobody ever believes it, it seems, if you if you buy that. But really, 
Um, Disney doesn't mandate a whole heck of a lot <laughs> about <laughs> what goes on day to day in Marvel publishing, and, and certainly nothing that Marvel wouldn't mandate, like we, right. we wouldn't do ourselves. Yeah. So it's, but it's always, you know, it, it's always easier to blame, uh, you know, a big faceless corporation, whether that corporation is the Red Marvel box, yep. or whether it's you know, the Disney swoosh mm-hmm. uh, than it is any individual person. There's also a tendency, and this is a, a broad oversimplification. So when people get upset when I when I use this analogy again, yeah. I, I understand this is boiling it down to very finely, and I don't mean it literally, literally. Mm-hmm. But when it when it comes to the interactions between, you know, creators in the minds of fans, the, the 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 audience often tends to conflate the creators with the characters uh-huh which is to say that in the same sort of way you know when you were kids if you bought like the marvel trading cards they'd all say superhero. oh the power levels intelligence yeah. levels yeah yeah and superhero supervillain right well if you have two creators that have a disagreement the guy whose work you like tends to be the hero, and the guy whose work you don't like as much tends to be the villain. Mm-hmm. And the same thing happens when it's creator versus editor, or editor versus editor, or company versus company. People have a tendency to put white hats and black hats on all of these situations yeah. that often are a lot more shaded and nuanced than, than they know. And maybe not even as anywhere near as contentious as they imagine it is. Oh, sure. Like, like it's got to be a gunfight at high noon between, <laughs> you know, you know, whatever. Chris Claremont in the white hat with his right. guns and John Byrne in the black hat with his guns. Yes. Or, or vice versa, depending on which creator, you know, you like their work better right this moment. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so that, too, tends to, to muddy the, the, the question of what's actually going on. But that all having been said, there's no way anybody you know, in, in my position can expect anybody out in the world to really understand what's going on, you know, within the, 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 the four walls of these companies. You know, yeah. I know I know a lot broadly about what goes on at D.C., but I couldn't tell you what goes on at D.C. on a day to day basis. I'm not there. Right. I understand the business enough to be able to go, oh. This is probably this or this or this or this, but I don't know. And the same thing is true of, uh, you know, pick somebody, Marie Javins. Marie was at Marvel years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she'll, she'll have some understanding, but that was a very different Marvel. I'm sure that they look at us and go, I don't understand why they're doing any of this. Right. Or I think it's this or this or this. Yeah. Um, so so expecting, you know, a fan to, to know or care what my problems are <laughs> is is ridiculous. Um, sure. <laughs> you know, all they all they want are are good comics that are worth the money and keep them coming back every every issue. Exactly. Uh, a- apropos of the editorial mandate, it made me think of I've heard we, we and and again from from the other side of the aisle, we only hear, and sometimes it's because you know a, a creator had loose lips. Other times it's because you know you heard something at a convention. Other times you just pure fabrication and just clandestinely mm-hmm. lines up. But we've heard rumors of. Of, of creators who have no who have clauses in their contract that they cannot be edited is that um, is that real and is that like is that just just uh is, is that like having yourself as your representation when you're when you're in, in court um it, it it all depends um i'm sure again I, I can only really speak concretely for marvel 
Mm-hmm. Um, really, nobody at Marvel currently has any kind of clause that says you can't be edited. There right. have been people in the past who have had language in their contracts that make it very difficult to, to edit them to edit. or to edit them willy-nilly depending on who they might be. Mm-hmm. Um, but but those people also tend to be people who, you know, want to do the best work anyway. So, you know, yeah. you, you convince them of uh, the rightness of your point of view and then you win anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, what they're looking to do is to protect the work that they're doing, to protect their words um, and keep things from being changed by some other hand somewhere. Sure. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think there's really anything when you come down to the, I, I, I can't be edited clause. Yeah. That's, that's, that's being creator owned. Right. That's, that's it. Um, but if you're, if you're writing Spider-Man, even you if, you know, even <laughs> you have somebody who's going to be able to tell you, no, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it might be somebody higher up the editorial food chain than the lowest assistant editor, depending on what your deal is. But, you know, your 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 terrific Spider-Man incest story is probably not <laughs> going to pass muster. <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> even again, even if you're, I don't know, Stephen King, like, right. you're, you know, you're 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 you're, you know, uh, you're, you're not going to be able to do certain things. Yes. With these characters based on who they are. Um, but you might, if you're Stephen King, you might have a lot more latitude on, you know, any other Spider-Man story that you might want to tell. And yeah. people are going to be less likely to want to, you know, monkey around with your mm-hmm. prose or with anything because you're Stephen King. You've written a million books, including books on writing. Um, and, yeah. you know, you, you, you probably are pretty good at this. Um, you know, typically if you're working at one of the majors, uh, you know, the way you get in the door there is by having shown some ability somewhere else Yes, that that you can do this. Nobody at this point really writes their first story for a Marvel or a DC. No, that's true. Or their first their first project like they, this is it's the major leagues rather than starting out on a on a farm team or a minor league team. Yeah. And, and I don't mean to be like self aggrandizing on it. That's just well, that's just the just, nature of the beast. That's just yeah, how it that's works. just that's just what it is. Um, and, and so, you know, particularly as you get people that are more story that have done more things in more fields, um, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be, um, you're, you're not going to be as casual about changing stuff around, uh, at Marvel, again, I can't speak for DC per se. And, and even at Marvel, I'm sure you can point to periods in the past where it was different than it is at Marvel in general, we don't like to change things around willy-nilly at all like we want to hire the best people and the reason we want to hire them is because they have an aptitude for doing this and we want them to bring that aptitude and those skills to bear on our characters so our characters get better and more popular and more beloved and then in the the symbiotic relationship those creators also become uh, better and more beloved and and more popular because now they're writing spider-man Right. Um, so, so it's not really in our best interest to get in the way of that process. And whenever possible, you try to intercede at the outset. You want to catch that Spider-Man incest story when it's just <laughs> when it's just an idea that's being suggested. If yeah. you've gotten to the point where somebody's drawn it 
something has failed in a significant way <laughs> right. in in the organization <laughs> to yeah. the point where you have to you know be calling some people up and 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 that editor is going to get beaten to hell oh sure yeah because like there are a couple of rungs up the ladder that you needed to that of oversight that needed to intercede at some point before that happened right right i i you know i know it was stephen king but you might have wanted to let some people know about the spider-man incest right. story i probably would have heard we about that it. even just by accident at this point uh <laughs> But yeah, yeah, that's funny. That is uh, not a real thing. There is no, no Spider-Man sure. incest story. Stephen King has not pitched a Spider-Man incest story. <laughs> yeah, just uh, for the record, that's not happened. I can't wait to read the bleeding cool headline about the oh, yes, Stephen King incest story. <laughs> great. Um, has have you? Because um, you since you've since you started at Marvel, and since you've grown uh, through the ranks, and ha- as the industry has shifted from, there's always been this kind of like interactivity it seems between Marvel and the audience uh, ever since like the beginning, Uh, whether it was carefully engineered, artificial, however you want to call it. Uh, But as a result of technological changes, we've seen the veil lowered significantly or at the very least become less and less opaque. And now we're at a place where you as like senior VP, whereas like maybe in 90, 92, you almost would never see you. We 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 wouldn't know what Tom Breford looks like. Right now, now you got to do interviews. Far, on... it, was a, it was a far better. better was, time. It like, was it better to have the door shut and to be like, we get you just, get the letters? No, just just in terms of me, you know. Everybody <laughs> else, it's great now, but yeah, um, yeah. You know, no, nobody nobody wants to see me on their screen. I'm <laughs> I'm the, I'm the least uh, attractive element of of this production. <laughs> No way. I, 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 I highly disagree. It was, I, I, this, is, this is exactly what I was looking for, man. I'm very happy to have you here. Um, but, but is it like, I guess, is it a challenge or is it frustrating or, or is it kind of like a renewed fun? I didn't expect to have to, or I didn't expect to enjoy this as much as I do to have to do this kind of thing where it's like, I gotta be um, on camera. Like you're in the, uh, you're in the Marvel 616 documentary about, uh, I, I believe I, I think you show up yeah. in the uh, in the dance lot episode. I so. was on the I was on the 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 homepage. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so it's like you know you, all of you... my all of my relatives called me up that week because they turned on their Disney Plus to watch I don't know the Mandalorian. Sure, and, and, they and see my you. and my face was a third of their screen. Right, it, but but goes from I you see a name that you can't pronounce to they're on your streaming service. Right. <laughs> Uh, um again like like everything you know there's there's upsides and downsides and it also depends on the individual like one of the one of the real realities of this is you know there are certainly editors and there are certainly creators yeah. who aren't really out there on social media at all yeah um or if they are you know they they keep a low profile and you don't know that they're they're there and they're perfectly happy and they're perfectly fine. Yes. Um, you know, they're content with that. There are other uh, creators who like, uh, you know, the spotlight and like the interaction. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as with everything, there are peaks and valleys. There are some days when it's good and you like it. And there are other <laughs> days when it's an enormous pain in the ass and a problem that you have to deal with, depending right. on what, you know, the conversation is or what happens to be happening. Yeah. Um, I'm, I, you know, I, I, I come, you know, steeped in the, the Stanley to Mark Grunewald sort of era of Marvel in which that connection to the, to the readership and the audience is an important part of what makes Marvel Marvel to me. 
Yeah. Um, and so, you know, this is why over the years in all of these different forms and formats, I've tended to, to do stuff and been relatively easy to find. Um, if anybody cares to, if anybody wants to, it's not hard to, to track me down on all sorts of social media platforms, um, you know, and, and to ask me questions. I did the form spring for, for years where I would answer ridiculous questions every morning. <laughs> um, you know, I had the blog on, on marvel.com years yep. ago. Uh, back in the AOL days, I used to do with Kurt Busiek, we used to do weekly chats when we were doing Untold Tales and Thunderbolts and Avengers. Yeah. So every week you could you could get together, um, you know, uh, 52, pretty much 52 weeks a, a year <laughs> and and chat with, you know, about whatever stuff was going on, either in the books we just put out or whatever was going on in the industry and, and so forth. Yeah. Um, and in each case, I, I do it as much as it's enjoyable and I feel like there's value in it. And I stop when 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 there's not or when the zeitgeist moves on. Sure. You know, I'm doing the YouTube channel stuff largely because um, I, I have a I got a website, TomBreeport.com. The very yep. difficult to find TomBreeport.com. <laughs> yeah. You know, where where I do a lot of writing about old old comics, old comics that I read and, you know, comics from the, the beginnings of the Marvel Universe and what went into the, them and a lot of behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. And one of the things that 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 put shifting some of that content to video in my head was there, there just came a day when I happened to be poking around on YouTube and I found a video and it was a video from a guy who pretty much had taken two of the pieces that I'd written. And turned them into a video, recorded them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was it, it was a fair enough cop in that he sort of said, well, there are these pieces at TomBreefWord.com. They're kind of similar to this video. So <laughs> you might want to check them out. But, you know, his, his, his view count on that video was larger at that point than the read count on the two pieces. Right. And so, like, I wasn't particularly upset that he you know, done this, it's, it's fine. This is all like, you know, it's a common pool of information. Right. But I sort of thought, well, if I can get more people to, yeah. to experience it, you know, and, and get a bigger audience as a result, I ought to at least experiment with it and see what happens. So that's, that's kind of what this is all about. That's fair. That's fair. Cause I've noticed that uh, it, it's interesting how the creator has gone from this kind of like enigmatic you know, artist that's behind an artifice uh, to a, a carnival barker, like to kind of being like, hey, ladies and gentlemen, like you got to read this thing and please pre-order it. <laughs> like, you know, it's just, it's yeah. it's about, it's about really, it's not just about selling the character or selling the book. Like the creator has become a brand onto themselves. Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of necessary at this point, if only because, well, again, putting even aside uh, just the world of comics. Sure. The the number and amount of entertainment choices that Ugh. the average person has at any given moment of the day is so exponentially greater than it ever was when I was just a, a reader and a consumer. Yep. That absolutely people need to scream as much as they can <laughs> to try to get some attention. Look over here, look over here. <laughs> because right. there's just so much clutter. Yeah, <laughs> it's the kind of thing where I mean, again, in a microcosm, 
it's you know when you don't know what you want to watch and so you just go to netflix and start scrolling You're around watching the office or something yeah well, i mean just literally just scrolling through there's so much stuff there that trying to find any individual thing like if i don't know what i want right you know there are You're algorithms that that say oh well if you like this here here are these things that are kind of like it but you know everybody's jumping up and down trying to get attention completely so so certainly um, in that world, I can see it, you know, particularly the guys that are that are especially good at it and forging that connection with their with their readers and with their audience. Um, they absolutely should take advantage of that. That's that's a that's a leg up that they can have that maybe, you know, again, gets them three or four or five or 10 or 20 or 100 or 1000 more people following them and, you know, consuming their stuff, reading their their work yeah. than they had otherwise. That's fair. That's interesting because it's it's certainly different than it was, and it's it's become this kind of like this, this multiverse of talent and content where mm -hmm. it, it, like you're competing with like comics compete with. I remember I remember growing up and they were like, "Well, how can we compete with video games?" And it's like that was it was <laughs> movies and video games and maybe TV, and now it's like, how do I compete with reading about the Cardassians on Twitter? Right, like. <laughs> I think I said Cardassian and I meant Cardassian. Like I, I'm talking about the aliens from Star Trek and I, I meant the, the other aliens that live in America. But, I heard, um, I, I heard Cardassians. From, okay, I, good. Under, I, I understood Cardassians. I didn't think Cardassians until you made that reference. <laughs> I was just, I, I always get them mixed up. Somewhere, and I don't know why. <laughs> somewhere Peter David's ears have perked up and it's going to be his next novel. Oh, good. I can't wait. <laughs> um, there's a there in this in today's world because uh instant communication and instant feedback is instantaneous and immediately visible and the algorithm serves you know text-based uh searches so it's like if you if you are looking for the latest xyz and someone has espoused some inflammatory opinion about such uh you know work in text it pops up um would you say, given that you had access to the letters pages and you had access to like the 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 the, the legionists of fan mail that came in during a time when the only option because you worked at you've been working at Marvel where it went from the letters office to the email office to the Twitterverse. Yeah, yeah, that's all true. Has it? I I had a theory that the amount of hate slash fan mail is exactly the same proportion as it was 25, 30 years ago. It's just in a different format. Um, I think that's, I think that's right. Although it's difficult to measure that in some right. ways, I think there might be more feedback now simply because it's so easy. It's, right. it's, it's the work of seconds for somebody to, to, to type 160 characters into Twitter that day and go daredevil. Eh, or, or whatever. <laughs> I mean, or whatever, like literally, it's that fast. Whereas, you know, back in the day, you had to get a piece of paper and you had to have a stamp and yeah. you had to put it in the mailbox. Right. And so you tended to shave out a whole level of 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 person there who was just going to knee jerk into things. Yeah. That having been said, where those people, you know, and people like myself, what we would tend to do is we would either get together or we'd call each other up on the phone and <laughs> and talk about whatever yeah we read the week's books and we my my circle of friends would talk about them did yes. you read daredevil yeah eh. and and <laughs> and that would be how we would do that and today 
that's done by text or yep. by tweet or by post or by um, you know TikTok video or yep. you know what whatever Carrier pigeon whatever it is yeah 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 so so um, I again I I don't know that I can quite measure you know has the amount you know not changed I I suspect it's larger now but maybe not by that much simply because it's so much easier to put out an an opinion quickly that's true. I'd imagine that uh, actually back in the day with like letters and so forth, uh, you only really got the extremes because someone had to be really, really emphatic about something to write a letter and travel to the mailbox and put it in mm-hmm. there. I really like this or I really don't like this. And there was like... a, there was and there is a third category. Really? There are the people that really, really like it. There are the people that really, really hate it. And there are those that 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 subset of a storied few who write to everything that they read. Oh. <laughs> and again, if you look at the old letters pages, like you can find like the names same names that recur time and again and become sort of like familiar people. There are people that we have now that still, you know, it's email now, but it's still, you know, if if you've put out a book, chances are you're getting a letter from Andrew Shaw assuming that he read it. Right, <laughs> because he will write you a letter. You know, he will write you a few things, you know, a few words on on just about anything that he reads. Right. Um, you know, and that that that's you know whether he liked it, whether he hated it, whether he was indifferent to it, and you can sort of tell because you can read the letter and he'll go, yeah, this was okay, but not <laughs> as good as it might have been. I liked Iron Man better this month. How about you do this? You know, this and 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 that's it. And that, that's the part of his his ritual of, of reading the books and being a fan and following along with this, him and, right. and uh, you know, a number of others. I don't mean to single him out badly. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with this. It's just, that was always the third category. And so gotcha. you can look at people like, I don't know, TM Maple back in the day who had letters for years in virtually any title that you could find in the eighties and early nineties. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I, I, I never thought about that, but you know, it's 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 directly translatable because here in YouTube you get the same the same thing where there are people mm-hmm. who you get the you get the, the the extremes and then you have the folk who are just like I'm back like well right. it's it's Wednesday so here I am and it, like <laughs> that's kind of nice it's actually that's funny because you remember their names and that's not for their lack of trying or their lack of uh, participation in the fandom and how like that's kind of that's kind of yeah well warming in a way. They they definitely are dedicated and interested in what you're what you're doing enough to make that that outreach and enough to want to connect with it on a regular basis. Yeah, I've been I've been kind of surprised so far in terms of like the YouTube comments that I've gotten because mm-hmm. you know it's it's the standard advice that everybody gives on everything. Don't read the comments. Don't look at the comments. Yes. Um, and at least so far, and I'm sure this will be the video that changes it. No doubt. <laughs> um, at least, at least so far, you know, it's not like I've had a deluge of comments on on the various things I've put up, but pretty much all of them have been benign. Right. Um, you know, they've they've they some of them have asked genuine questions. Some of them have just been appreciative that the stuff was there yeah um even the ones that didn't like something didn't like it in a way that was like that's a reasonable way to <laughs> express that that's fine sure um, so so at least so far and you know i'm sure that again as assuming the audience gets bigger as the audience gets bigger um you know that will change or or there'll be more 
whatever dissent or or looniness around the edges because there always is. That's the thing. But yeah. I am I am actually I was I was much more expecting to go. Yeah, I'm just going to be deleting comments here <laughs> left and right. Yeah, and that hasn't been necessary at all. At That's least great. so far. I, I think it's because of the nature of your content. I think it's just because people who are looking for that are like are just genuinely curious. It's not people. You're not... People don't need an excuse. That's fair. To okay. give me crap. <laughs> <laughs> just That's... my very presence alone. You know, it's off in my face for six minutes. <laughs> Um, there's, there's no greater, there's no greater invitation to somebody wanting to punch me in the jaw than, than making them look at my head for, for uh, a 10 minute span. <laughs> I, the, the, the span is fantastic because it's also t- in, incredibly digestible. It's just like, here's some, here's some info, go for it. I, I, I got some inf- interesting advice from a, uh, a, a professional uh in the in the industry a few years ago where they when when our videos started coming out and we we i was like how are we going to get more people and they or how what should we do with our ads and everything like that and they said uh well first of all your videos are over an hour no one's watching them and he didn't mean that no one's watching them at all he meant like people are just clicking off so it may be they don't even see you they're just like ooh, another (laughs) another tom video click and then they go do their laundry and they just listen and they just let it run um which is the nature of if you put your mug on camera for more than five consecutive minutes, people are going to be like, oh, that it's the same guy yeah. moving on. Or at the very yeah. least, I'm, I'm going to click it down. I'm going to play Tetris or something. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 in, in one of the editing videos, I did a, just a stupid thing in the, in the middle of, of one where I dropped a photo in. Yeah, and I, and I did it literally just to see if, if I get if any reaction noticed. at all. Uh, and so far, nothing. Nobody's <laughs> nobody's said a word. Um, so I I feel like you know for all the YouTube analytics and things that there are, I mm-hmm. feel like that's the real litmus test there. That's that's shown me exactly how this is working. Right. <laughs> yeah. I but I'm telling you, man. Like it's a great idea. It's a great resource because one of those things I I have been an avid comic book reader for a very long time. Uh, not nearly as long as some folk, but, uh, but long enough in my own myopic viewpoint. Uh, and I have been hungry and desperate to learn more about how the industry works. And every time I find a scrap of like ba- behind the scenes info, like I'll, like I f- I'll find an old, like I'll read an old wizard and I'll find like this little yeah. like news article that sees like, that shows you, like when Toy Biz acquired Marvel. And I'm like, oh, look at that. Like that's yeah. when that happened. And, you know, it, I wish that there had been the resources that are available today during some really revolutionary periods. Like it, it's almost too bad that we only, that we have such like, such, uh, you know, encyclopedic knowledge about the bankruptcy years. And it's, <laughs> where right. it's like, we could, tra- right. there are books written about it. I can trace it completely, but not, you know, I don't have a lot of audio of Jack Kirby talking about comics or, uh, right. Right. You no. Know, uh, although did you must've seen it? The, uh, they did film the debate between Peter David and Todd McFarlane from, yeah. Uh, yeah. Back in 93. Yeah. So the I, comics and, fest one. right. And someone dropped that on YouTube. So I got to see it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Hey, that, I've been hearing <laughs> about this debate forever. And I got to watch it. And it was, that was kind of cool. And I'm glad that there are resources like this. And it's like, no, that's really, if you have something invaluable or important to impart to this industry or about this industry, do it because it's no one else is going to, you know what I mean? 
Right. Well, again, I'm, I, I, I don't know that I'm so self-aggrandizing to feel like <laughs> I have something important to impart. Right. But I, 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 I felt like at the very least in terms of the editing videos, I've, yeah. got a, I've got a perspective and a point of view that there's not a lot of other people out there that have. And so, you know, starting that, I don't know that it's anything I do is going to be like the last word on editing comics or approaching sure. this stuff. But if it adds to the discourse and the dialogue and, and, and makes people more aware of, of how to go about this and what the, the editorial staffs are doing and so forth um, and, and entertain some people for a short period of time, that's that's all good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm not, you know, I'm I, I'm not using any, uh, you know, any advertising and I'm not bringing in any any money with any of this stuff. It's not the job. I have a job. It's in <laughs> comics. Yeah. So Listen, you're. You're a Disney Plus star now. <laughs> so those Benjamins oh, oh, have yeah. it in. Oh, yeah. The Disney Plus perks, those are huge. <laughs> huge. Um, uh, well, Tom, thank you so much for being here. I would love to have you on again if, you have, if you're of a mind. Uh, I'd I'm, love to get I'm more. Certainly, I'm, I certainly would be happy to. This has been a, a lot of fun. I appreciate your your interest and and oh, you. Uh, you know being being honestly so quick to go hey you're doing a thing let me talk about the thing yeah um, well it's 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 one of those things I'm I'm very good if I can pat myself on the back at finding <laughs> at elevating other people's work <laughs> like <laughs> so in in a way I am kind of like an editor yeah where... that's that's part of what uh, what the job of the editor is so well well done you're Thank you're, you. you're honing editorial skills even as we speak exactly so please subscribe to to tom Brevoort's youtube channel it's in the description below this video like literally i i have self-published four books i have never gotten another writing job but all four artists have become industry level artists <laughs> so <laughs> i'm like here you go enjoy the comic book industry <laughs> i'll be over here but that's uh, again that's not unusual in no. that it's it's way easier to evaluate an artist than a writer well big time oh yeah you know because no, you, you, know. well, you just go nope yep that's yep the... Ex exactly exactly yeah so yeah. so uh uh you know it's not necessarily a failing on uh, of uh, of what you did um <laughs> it's just that it's a lot easier to, to to see the merits of those guys oh yeah oh yeah no especially well especially if you're in this industry or in or in either industry you have people who want you to evaluate their work and help them. And it's like each time with if it, whether it's a writer or it's a video maker, it's like, you're asking me to contribute X amount of time to do that. And it's, it's, I just only have so many hours in the day. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, lesson, uh, lesson learned, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much for being here, Tom. Thank you so much for uh, watching everybody else. And we'll see you guys next week with another episode. Uh, so that's it. So long. Yeah.